podcast for a Friday, the end of the week. And um, we had an NBA draft this week, Shannon. A, um, we did? An hour in free agency, and that practice is, is ongoing. Sorry. Yeah, 6 o'clock tonight. 6 o'clock tonight. You can actually talk to guys. You can't, you, you can't sign until the weekend. But um, I'll tell you what. I, I have a beef about the draft, okay? Do you want to hear it? Yeah, no, but don't have much. And, and, well, I'll tell you what. When they, got to, when they got to the 16th pick, which was Portland, 17 of the next 26 picks were traded or rumored to be traded or reportedly traded. They, they ruined the draft. They ruined the draft. There was so much. I mean, it was a shell game of who was going where, who was doing what. Kid was getting drafted by, you know, the Sixers, and the next thing you know, he was moving somewhere and then going to get traded again. It was awful. When it came, I mean, the NBA lost control of their own draft. I mean, Adrian Wojnarowski became the most important guy because it wasn't managers making the picks. He was just telling us where they were going. It was awful. All right. Let me me nuts. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, I don't think that's really a stretch to tell you the truth. But uh, (laughs) joining us to discuss um, other things, and perhaps this, at least briefly, um, our friend Paul Jones, the – voice of uh, the Raptors on radio, and our friend Howard Beck of uh, Bleacher Report, who is not in Colorado or Wyoming or wherever the photograph depicts. He's sitting in Brooklyn and just messing with us. All right, so did they ruin the draft, Howard? Was yes. it a – Was it a? oh, don't <laughs> – shut up a second. Let people who oh, know something oh. say something. <laughs> All right, well, let's start here. Uh, I'm not in Wyoming. I'm also not in Colorado, although that is Mount Sopris, the beautiful Mount Sopris from Colorado behind me. Thank you. In my uh, Zoom background, because it's much better than my actual background in my home office here. And I'm just sparing you guys the, uh, the eyesore that is my home office. Um, secondly, uh, I'm, I'm only nominally a Bleacher Report at this point. Uh, my last official day uh, it will be Sunday, two days from when we're recording oh. this. Uh, I'm an, uh, an, an NBA media free agent for the time being. Um, You're another free agent. Holy smokes. The list yes, is growing. Good free agent weekend for everybody. Um, let, let's see if the uh, if teams are, will throw as much at me as they're going to throw at Fred Van Vliet. Um, no, the draft was not ruined. I'm sorry. I got a, I got a dis- dissent here. Um, first of all, you know, they, fans love transactions if there's one thing we've learned over the last five to ten years in particular fans love transactions trade everybody all the time there's a certain segment of the fandom that actually is more entertained by that than by the basketball at least during the regular season so the NBA offseason the more pyrotechnics the more guys flying around uh in, in trades and signings and rumors um the better not just for us in media because it's fun to talk about but fans Fans love this stuff, and it does get confusing on draft night. I will grant you that, but confusing. Oh, <laughs> right, so that's a, might be a small understatement. I I do think it, yeah. it is indicative of of this off season in which uh, everything is compressed. Very few teams have cap room. The uh, league economy, of course, has gotten squeezed because of the pandemic and the the the, the missing games and everything else. And so trades are are the best route to change up your roster right now. And we saw that reflected. Yeah, interesting. You know, John, Howard Howard has a point in that everybody wants to know what's going on in free agency and they're into the rumors. And I'm with you though, because you and I were texting during the draft. I couldn't, I can't keep up with it. And when I, 
when I start to call games sometime a month or two from now, I will say something like that. Well, there's so-and-so, and he was originally drafted by here, but on draft nights, his rights were traded there, and then he was moved subsequently here. So it, it, is, it is confusing. It is difficult to try and kind of uh, keep up with, but, you know, such are the, the vagaries of the, N- and the NBA. Uh, I, I get that part. I get that part. I, you know, it, it, maybe, and maybe, you know, I'm a little bit of a tug-at-the-heartstrings guy. I mean, I, draft day is an important day for the kids, for their families. I mean, and by the time you get off the phone, you're on three different teams. I mean, to me, <laughs> to me, that, that that's what I was trying to get at. It, it, that, that was very confusing for me to try to figure out. I don't follow the NBA as closely as you two guys. So for me, I needed a roadmap, a roadmap to figure out where all these kids were going. Well, let me say this uh, to you. Um... I, I, have you seen the movie Draft Day? Yes. Uh, well, yeah. Absolutely. Well, if you haven't, don't watch it because it'll drive you crazy. If you think <laughs> the NBA draft was nuts, just look yeah, at the they, script Bob, of that movie Bob. and the moves that the alleged Cleveland Browns made on that in that Bob, show. That's a movie. That's a well, movie. I get it. I'm just giving you a fair warning. If 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 next, the next other thing night you're gonna drove talk you about my, Next thing you're going to do is talk about my cousin Vinny. No, that's been <laughs> done. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. And uh, fairly recently. (laughs) Um, We like to lead, not follow. Well, let's get down to the uh, nuts and bolts, and let's start with the uh, Toronto Raptors, who um, drafted two guards, and I'm intrigued by – all right, let me, let me preface this by saying any time um, anybody makes two picks essentially at the same position and has one guard currently um, nearing the end of his career, we think, in Kyle Lowry and the other guard, uh, a prospective free agent and maybe a highly sought after one. Um, you wonder if there's a connection there. Uh, Jonesy, uh, you know, what, Bob, I, what do you think happened there? I, I, I think they were going for guys that they've had success with. And, and we talk about this nebulous word culture. And I, I think the Raptors finally have a culture. They, they finally have, a way of doing things with expectations that, that are commensurate with it. And they drafted two guys, you know, the, the, the Malachi Flynn is very much kind of like a Fred Van Vliet, uh, a winner uh, at, at college, uh, not a guy, maybe a guy that nobody thought that highly of he transferred and, and they're, they're kind of, they're kind of looking to continue what is very difficult to do, which is win and develop. And if you can hang on to one of those guys, we don't know what's going to happen with Fred. My own feeling is I think he's going to end up back in Toronto. But if you can hang on to one of them, Fred or Kyle, to be the tutor and bring this young guy along or uh, Jalen Harris the same way, same kind of thing, then you're going to, you, you know, you're, you're going to be okay going forward. So I think they're just doing kind of following a formula that they've been successful with. Howard, do you think, do you think there's a, 
you know, we know that there are many pieces to the puzzle and we tend to only look at the surface pieces, those that have been put in place and not the other ones that are to come. But do you think the Raptors are concerned or believe that they will lose Van Vliet, hence draft two guards? I don't read too much into their draft. I don't read too much into most teams' drafts if they're already, A, a good to great team, and that's the category the Raptors fall into, and two, as a result, are drafting low. Those are the 29th and 59th picks in the draft, and though the Raptors have been as good or better than most teams in the NBA at developing talent, especially talent drafted late in the first or even in the second round or even undrafted, um, th these, are, these are players who may or may not be – mainstays in a rotation uh, especially the you know when you're drafting a guy 59th so I, I don't read anything into that you're you're drafting you're not drafting based on need first of all that's the other thing too if you're a, a team that is established um and you have certain needs you're usually getting that in free agency like rookies aren't coming in unless the raptors mm -hmm. are taking a step back which they might be by the way we'll see how they how they play the rest of this offseason how the, how they handle this but if you are still in contention, if you are still planning to be a top four team in the Eastern Conference this coming season, rookies aren't helping in that regard, most likely. Um, that's, that it's not, it's not the case. So you don't draft for need. You, get, you go free agency and trades for need. If they were going for need, you, you would have thought they might have loaded up on bigs then because Ibaka mm -hmm. and Gasol are free agents who could walk and are also much closer to the end of their careers than the beginning. So I don't read anything at all into who they drafted other than these are the guys they liked best at the time that they drafted. Hey, Howard, the one thing that uh, with Flynn, that, you know, and, and Paul touched about it, he, like he's, uh, he plays like Van Vliet. Is size an issue? I mean, I mean, when you think about where, you know, they play, these guys are two small guys, and so is Lowry's a smaller guy. It, this seems to be a team philosophy of smaller you know, in the backcourt. And I, I wonder if that's something that might jump up and bite them at a certain point. I don't know. Um, you know, look, uh, Lowry is the quintessential uh, example of a guy who has overcome lack of size in terms of height with strength, guile, desire, all the other wonderful things that, that we would attribute to Kyle Lowry and that have made him a successful and an all-star in the course of his career. Um, a circuitous career up until the time he got to Toronto, of course. So, you know, do, do the Raptors, having been emboldened by that development, think we can constantly get that? I mean, no. Like, if you, if you could draft a six, seven point guard uh, who could defend multiple positions and still be a great playmaker, shooter, you, you would. Um, right. It's nice to have the confidence that you can work with a guy no matter what his size or, or physical makeup. But I don't, think it's in, I don't think it's intentional. I think this is – sheer coincidence whether it could bite them again like they're they're not drafting Flynn just to, to say we want to plug you in tomorrow as the starter or a heavy minutes backup I think the plan is still for them to retain Van Vliet I think if they lose Van Vliet I still don't think that Flynn is necessarily all of a sudden rising to uh, a major role as a rookie so um, but I do think to your earlier question there's there. I think there should be a real fear of losing Van Vliet because the Knicks are sitting there with about 35 million in cap room. They have a lot of needs, but the biggest among them is a massive gaping hole at point guard. And that hole has been there for many, many years already. They've got a new administration. 
both at the front office and, and coaching level. They're all going to want to, you know, Tom Thibodeau didn't, didn't come to New York for like some long-term patient, re like New York doesn't do patient rebuilds anyway. Right, right. So um, Van Vliet could put them on the map immediately. He could f fulfill so many different needs, um, playmaking, leadership, experience, great character guys you guys know, plays both sides of the ball. And he would put everybody else in their proper places because, you know, they were experimenting with R.J. Barrett at, you know, running the, the, the offense last season. Like, that's not going to you, – you, you need Barrett and Knox if he's still here and Neil Aquino if he's still there and, uh, and, 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 and the rookie Obi Toppin. You need those guys to be able to play off of somebody who can really set them up and put them in their best positions to score. So the Knicks are desperate for a point guard. There are a couple other options out there in free agency, but the best one, if you're talking about uh, experience and youth and who could grow with the, the Knicks' young core, Van Vliet is perfect for that. And I think the Knicks are in a position where if they had to overspend, whatever that means, whatever overspending means on Fred Van Vliet, I think they would. And I think actually that's, that's not a bad choice for them. I think that that's a smart um, play for them because if you're trying to establish a new culture – and a, a winning environment, um, there, are, there are a lot worse than you can do than, than signing Fred Van Vliet, even if it's a quote-unquote overpay. So I think the Raptors should be concerned. I often wonder, guys, um, what a player thinks of when he's in the kind of position that Fred is in, where, you know, let's take Howard's point, where the Knicks are um, a viable candidate. But, I mean, let's be honest. This has been a sad sack franchise for a long time. Um, problems internally, um, inability to put together um, Ws. Um, they've had legendary management that has failed. They've had high-quality players that haven't been able to raise the bar. If you're a Fred Van Vliet, Jones, to you first, if you're Fred Van Vliet, where, how do you weigh X number of millions of extra dollars that the Knicks might throw Adam, as opposed to an environment, well, like Toronto now, where you know what, what you have, you know you're going to have a, a competitive team, maybe a good team, possibly even a great team. How do you, how do you think players weigh that stuff? I, I think it's about priorities, Bobcat. You know, like as, as you and Howard and, and, you know, John were saying, you guys were talking about, you know, the idea of winning. And a lot of players will might forego a little money for a chance to win. Fred Van Vliet's got a chip already. He's got a big ring. And well, you know, and he's little, already made it clear. He's already made it clear, Paul. He's going for the money. Well, and 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 that's just it, John. I, I remember I'm in the first him. years. No, I remember in the first years of the Raptors when, you know, when 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 they got guys like John Sally coming here and he said, Hey man, I got championship. I got a ring already. I'm trying to be me now. You know, I don't have to play a role or do – so if, if a guy does – Bobcat, if a guy does weigh it for money, then, you know, you, you can't be mad at him. He played the role. He did what he had to do. He's not going to ever go down as one of those guys, well, nice player, uh, made a lot of money but never won a ring. That's, uh, that box is already checked for Fred. So if he decides he wants the money and – there are probably quietly, maybe not so quietly, people urging him to say, you know what? No home down discounts. Take the money. Their money buys groceries. It sends kids to university. It does all of that. So uh, to me, 
I think his decision is going to say a little bit about how much money he's been offered and the comfort level he feels winning if he does come back to Toronto. But Howard, there, Howard, there's, there's one. I mean, Bob's list of things, what's, what's right and wrong with the Knicks. There's one thing he didn't mention, <laughs> and that was ownership. Um, and, and how much of a factor would Jim Dolan and his ability to be a little more hands-on with the basketball team than he is anywhere else in the building, how much of a factor would that be for a player at all? Well, let's start with this about uh, the Knicks owner, Jim Dolan. The one uh, thing you can consistently say positively about his ownership is that he's always been willing to spend. So I would actually start there. The one thing you know is if his front office and coaching staff come to him and say, this is a guy we've got to have no matter what it costs, Dolan will almost always sign those checks. He's never been cheap. Give him that much. So, again, back back to the fear factor for the Raptors. If the Knicks want to overpay, Dolan's not going to stand in the way. Um, To the rest of it, though, I do think, and we've seen it play out over and over, right? Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they joined the Nets, not the Knicks. Kawhi Leonard, uh, Paul George, any number of other superstars, LeBron multiple times, any number of stars over the years that have changed teams at a time when the Knicks had cap room, had the ability to get guys. Guys aren't forcing trades to New York. Carmelo obviously did back in um, 2011 or 2012. Um, but it's been, it's been a while. He was the only one. Uh, Porzingis was unhappy and, and, and got traded away. No one's been banging down the door to the garden to play there. And um, Dolan is at least part of that. You know, I think more than that, you know, guys don't nece- players don't necessarily pay attention to ownership unless it's showing up as a consistent problem in the team's ability to win or create a sustainable, healthy basketball culture, right? So, um, there are some bad owners in this league that we don't talk about as often. And sometimes it's because their teams were winning or maybe they're in smaller markets. Dolan gets more attention because of the market he's in and because he, he draws attention to himself by, you know, uh, you know, banning fans and lashing out at people and, you know, telling Spike Lee, he can't use the elevator anymore or whatever. Like, so does that become a concern for the Knicks in their, the impression it leaves on players and their agents? Yes. Is it the sole reason that guys won't go to the Garden? No. I think if the, if the Knicks were winning, if they had created a sustainable winning culture and it looked like a promising place to be for the next five years, then you say, ah, yeah, so the, the owner is a little eccentric or the owner has, has been bad in the past or he said some things. They're going to pay me and they've got a great program. Well, the problem is the Knicks don't have a provably, demonstrably great program to join. So that's the bigger impediment. But Dolan is certainly part of that. And the reason that they've been bad for most of the last 20 years, those things always lead back to ownership. I come back to one thing, you know, and again, I'm not in, I'm not talking to Messiah on a regular basis. I don't know what's in his head and he's a really smart guy. So I wouldn't presume to be anywhere near as smart as he, but here's, here's a basic fact. Ibaka Gasol Lowry, you can make the argument well, certainly Gasol and Lowry are nearing the ends of their careers. Um, You may be able to get a couple more miles out of them, but they're going to go soon. Um, Ibaka played better last year probably than any other year in his career, Um, but he's not a spring chicken. Uh, 
you got and now and you're sitting on this point guard, Van Vliet, who clearly can play, clearly could take over from Lowry when that time comes, and it's not going to be very long down the road. Uh, so I put a high priority on the Raptors keeping him, and I suspect that they will too. But they then have to consider the impact of if they sign Van Vliet, where does that put them with Antetokounmpo and their ability to get him? Or is this just a pipe dream, Jones? We've been talking about it for about two years, but I, I suspect there's 29 other teams that have been doing the exact same thing. What do you well, think? Yeah. And, have, and having, the Bucks, having the Bucks moves in the last week change that philosophy? Don't know. They're trying. They're, they're trying, John. They, they are. The, and, and it'll be interesting to see the league now investigating the whole Bogdanovich non-trade uh, to Milwaukee. But um, I, I think you're always in play, Bob. And, 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 you know, as for the Giannis thing, I think you're always in play if you can put assets together. And, the, and as Howard has said, the guy wants to join you. People didn't want to join New York. I mean, like, except for Carmelo. And, and if, if you're Toronto, if you're Milwaukee and Giannis signs, that doesn't necessarily mean he wants to stay there. It could be, I'm signing, I'm getting the money. Um, we'll see how it goes for a year or two. And if it doesn't work, then I'm saying to you guys, okay, I've given you seven years, eight years, the same way LeBron did the first time when he went to Miami. And so I, I don't think they're ever out of play for that. Uh, but he has to see something that he wants to come here to play with and to potentially see winning. And Van Vliet would go a long way to help that. Howard, your thoughts. Yeah. So I've been, I've, I've played with this scenario in my head of, of, over the last several months. Um, like where did, where did, like the Raptors are in such a fascinating position. They are still good enough right now. And especially if they brought everybody back to be contenders in the East, even though the East has gotten really tough and you've got, I don't know what the nets are going to be ultimately because there's so many question marks there, but they've got the talent. So they're there. Miami is, is, is the defending Eastern conference champ. Milwaukee is strengthening themselves. Like it's, it's a crowd Boston. It's a crowded field. Is this the moment where Masai and Bobby Webster and the group say, you know what, maybe this is time to take the one step back to take two steps forward. Let the older guys, Gasol and Ibaka walk um, and start retooling with a, with a roster that is more on Pascal Siakam's timeline. If he is indeed the new franchise star in the centerpiece. And if that's the case, then you go all out to keep Fred Van Vliet, whatever the Knicks are throwing at him, you top it, you match it, you keep him and you say, listen, we can pay you just as much. And we've got a proven track record here that the Knicks don't have. If that takes you out of the running momentarily on paper for Giannis Antetokounmpo or whoever else you may be targeting in free agency next year or even the year after, well, then that then comes the next piece here. Is it time to trade Kyle Lowry? Last year of his deal, age, mileage, great guy, great player, has meant the world to this franchise, and it would be painful to do this. But as a practical matter, would re-signing Van Vliet at whatever cost and having him and Siakam as your new franchise uh, cornerstones and flipping Lowry at a time when you can still get you, – you, like, you can get a lot for Kyle Lowry. I can think of a, actually a team in L.A., not the defending champs, the other one that could really use Kyle Lowry, uh, who functioned pretty well with the uh, Clippers franchise star not so long ago. I, I, there, if you put him on the market, you could get a really nice return, even despite his age and mileage. And – 
I'm not saying they should do that. I'm not predicting they will do that. I think it's an interesting thought because it would free up the cap room. Um, it, it's not freeing up cap room for next summer because he's coming off anyway, but it, it allows you to reinvest toward the younger guys. And I think you can, to the, to the Giannis point, you can always manufacture that room later. Right now, you do what you have to do to keep a core together that you think is your best opportunity to compete either whether it's this season or for the next you know, three to five years. That's the prior, first priority. Don't let Fred Van Vliet walk if you can avoid it. If you have to figure out the cap room later, if Giannis wants to come, we've seen this with other teams. You can always clear the cap room later. You can always find a way to get a guy. How many teams are bulking up for next summer rather than this summer, rather than right now? When I, and I talk when I say bulking up, getting ready for that free agency, getting, I mean, this is, this has been such a strange year, 2020. There's no reason to think that 2021 won't be just as strange when it starts on December 22nd. How many teams are, are actually holding their breath and waiting for the next off season? John, I, I think there will be a number of teams, especially with the cap being artificially generated to where it is. I mean, it should have fallen um, probably down to about 90 million and it's still up over a hundred plus. And, and I think there will be teams looking at that too. You don't want to go into the tax. I, I, I know you want to spend to be competitive, but I think once maybe we get more uh, back to kind of a normal, uh, uh, you know, normal flow of the season and rhythm of the season and timing, in 21, 22, then you see people looking at, okay, uh, it's time to start spending. Revenue maybe comes back up. Uh, you know, th this vaccine is out there. The science is helping. I, I would not be surprised to see teams kind of hanging on to their money a little bit this year. Well, that's, that's kind of what I, when, you, when you're not being able to put people in the seats uh, for the immediate future, I mean, you, 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 there, that level of revenue that you don't have, doesn't that put everything on hold a little bit? What I do you it think, does. Art? It, I mean, it, it might. We'll, we'll see. Um, these, these are like reasonable discussions that we all have and, and, and speculate on. And then you don't really know until, you know, like when, when six o'clock tonight comes and the, the, the free agent doors fling open, we're going to see probably the same spending spree we always see. Yeah. But yeah. in terms of this year versus next year, it's more about who's available, right? So a lot of teams had already right. been targeting 2021 because of Giannis. And this was always, always going to be kind of a, 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 a substandard uh, free agent class. There's not a lot of superstars available. Next year is the, is the year when there's a lot more marquee names. And so that was already the case. And besides that, you know, we know that Toronto and Miami and, and a couple others were already eyeing Giannis in particular for next summer. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that, if that holds up. But that was already the direction I think a lot of teams were going. Let me throw uh, this in there and, and into the conversation. And I know it's been discussed. What do you think the chances actually are of Milwaukee trading Giannis? maybe even in, before the season starts. They should close I, I, the franchise then. They should close the franchise. Zero. I, I don't think – I don't – I don't. Bob, I can't see that happen. I, I, I mean – I, look, I don't he, either, but, but you understand there's the, logic to that. Yes, if, totally. if they if know he, he won't sign, stay – If he doesn't sign and the indications are that he's going to leave, yeah, they probably have to do something. But um, like I said, he, if, if I'm in the same position as Giannis, I'm signing that Supermax deal. I'm getting all the money I can. 
okay, now you guys are on the clock. I know you, I, I know I work for you and you're paying me all this money, but if we're not winning, you're getting me out of here. He would have to demand a trade for them to trade him before this season. And I don't think that that's his makeup. I don't think that's where this is going. I don't think there've been any indications that he wants to do that. I he could right. turn, he, you know, he probably turns down the supermax, probably. Um, maybe, he take, maybe he takes it and surprises us. But if he turns down the supermax, the, the question that it, it raises is, is this an indication that he's not going to stay long-term or has severe doubts about staying long-term? And does that then trigger the decision to, to trade him? But I think, look, we've already seen what they were doing this week. They made the trade for Drew Holiday that cost them three future first-round picks. Really steep price. Great, really nice player. But three future firsts is a lot to pay. Um, the the uh, now aborted deal for Bogdanovich, you, those two things in tandem show a clear indication of what the Bucks plan to do, which is contend right now, bulk up right now, be all in right now because they understand that this might be their last season with Giannis and their last chance to show him we know how to build a contender around you so they have already shown they do not intend to part with him until they absolutely have to um otherwise you wouldn't be making all these moves or even attempting some of these moves so then it then it then it's really about Giannis does he feel that that was enough um does making the finals and losing next summer is it is like is that far enough does is only a championship enough um who knows we, we remember we played this game with lebron a couple times over what was going to sure. be enough for him to stay in certain places this the, you know we, we try to mind read and we're all very bad at that uh i only got a few minutes i want to get back to where we started which was the draft and uh but not from the perspective of the of the raptors but rather the perspective of um the draft itself Ball was a guy who I think we would all agree was probably at the top of everybody's list, say, six months ago when the pandemic hit or however long ago. Would you agree, Jones? Yeah, he was up there. I mean, I, I think this was a, an open year, though, Bobcat. I mean, you know, there, there are probably a bunch of guys. I mean, we, we talked to people that said the, the kid that Sacramento got a 12th, Halliburton, yeah. Tyrese, should have been, could have been number one. Uh, Obi Toppin, consensus player of the year. He falls to eight, like Detroit and and yeah. and Chicago. Chicago took a guy that wasn't even the starter on his college team at number four. So um, it 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 was it was wide open, and people were, you know, doing their own evaluation and picking who's the, who they saw fit. So the this was a classic case of a deeper draft, but not spectacular. Yeah, yeah. So the, the speculation with LaMelo Ball was that um, if the Timberwolves don't take him number one, Golden State won't take him number two, and they won't take him because of daddy um, as much as anything else. First of all, do you think that's true, Howard? And, and um, did the Hornets luck into a, a, a great player, or is there just too many ifs with him? I don't think the Warriors are afraid of – anybody or anything in particular. I, I don't think LeVar Ball was a factor for, for the Warriors. I think the Warriors saw in, in James Wiseman a guy who, you know, and listen, I will argue against this every time. I don't think fit is the way to, to evaluate. You take the best available player, but I think that Wiseman to them was probably best available and the better fit and fills the need potentially. I still think, by the way, well, let me amend this. 
before Clay went down a couple days ago, my feeling was you go all out to trade Wiseman, and even if you drafted him, you're probably still trading him before the season or sometime early in the season because the Warriors have a, a tight window. They are on the timeline of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, and yep. that's it. And a rookie big man, a 19-year-old who played three college games, to have him to, to believe that he can step in on day one and be your everyday center and help you win a championship is very far-fetched. Rookies rarely, rarely make that kind of impact in this league, especially at 19. So now the calculus has changed because Clay's out for the season. And maybe you see this as a second consecutive gap year transitional year instead. And you think, you know what, we'll hold on to him. We'll develop him. And maybe by the time Clay's ready to come back and we're ready to contend again, maybe Wiseman is ready to be an everyday impact player because now they're not contending. They're absolutely off the board in terms of contention this season. They might even struggle to make the playoffs in a really tough Western Conference. So um, I think that maybe changes whether they really intend to, to hold on to him long term. But I, I, you know, I don't think um, Lamelo Ball, the, the 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 decision between him and Wiseman, I don't think anything to do with with the father. In terms of Charlotte, the Hornets have been dying for a franchise star forever, and Kemba Walker filled that role as well as he could as an undersized point who had a you know great. Uh, demeanor and personality and was beloved in that community, but he just couldn't get them anywhere. And can LaMelo ball? I mean, he does have certain aspects of him that, that say that, that, that scream star, right? He, he's a little reserved. He, you know, maybe his personality will come out more later, but in terms of his abilities, they at least now have somebody to build around again and can say like, this is, this is, this is our identity. This is the reason, you know, they'll be on national TV more often. They'll be more interesting period. And so it is definitely a, a fortunate turn of events for Charlotte that they get the one guy in the draft who was already a household name for what that's worth. And now his play has to back it up. Well, we'll see whether, uh, daddy's influence plays any role in this <laughs> well michael michael has to be able to do something michael can manage the old man right can't michael i don't, I don't think lavar's messing with michael jordan and i don't think michael no. jordan's gonna let lavar ball that's, mess with his franchise <laughs> that's right hey howard i got one question draft related and van vliet related here was a guy that didn't get drafted you know came out came out and signed uh, a contract after the draft is there somebody that didn't get drafted in the first in these two rounds that is going to jump out somewhere is there I mean and when you get you know when you get down in the second half of the second round you almost don't want to get drafted because you, you're going to be able to create a, a bidding war for your services is there somebody out there like that right now I uh, I throw out this caveat all the time. I would I would say this time of year, but this time of year is not really this time of year. Uh, around draft time of year, um, okay, it's a fluid thing this year. Um, I am not a draft expert. You know, I I spend you know all of my basketball watching during the season, watching the NBA. So I, I'm the last person to ask about the the obscure. Uh, ramifications of the draft and the draft class I'll, I'll leave okay. I'll leave that discussion to the uh, the Jonathan Gavonis and the Jonathan Wassermans uh, and the Chad Fords of the world fair enough uh, guys uh, time is our enemy we thank you for yours um, an interesting discussion as uh, usual uh, we like to say and uh, it's important to say stay safe and uh, we look forward to having the opportunity to chat again soon thanks a lot for today thank you Howard thank appreciate you, it thank you Thanks. That'll do it. And thank you, uh, John Shannon.
Um, Cheers, Bob. Cheers. Thank you. Nice thumb. Uh, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll take the weekend off and uh, see you on Monday. Goodbye. Goodbye.